Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lock Talk Radio. Hello, Hello welcome Angela. to Aesthetic in- Insider Radio. This is your host, Angela O'Mara. Today, we have facial plastic surgeon Gregory Keller on the, on the call with us today. Um, Dr. Keller is an internationally known facial plastic surgeon who was recently presented with a Lifetime Service Award for founding the Division of Facial Plastic Surgery at UCLA School of Medicine. Dr. Keller is very well known throughout the industry, has is a pioneer and innovator, has developed many techniques and patents, and I'm so excited to have him as a guest on the show today. Dr. Keller, thank you for joining us on Aesthetic Insider Radio. Thank you, Angela. It's great to be here. Oh, absolutely. I'm so excited because, you know, I have known you for, for some years now, and, I've, you know, over the, the, the time that I have known you, there's been so many developments and techniques and new ideas and, and just loads of, of things where you really have contributed to the industry. So for those listeners who, you know, perhaps are not quite as familiar with you, I'd love for you to tell us about yourself and about your practice and um, take it from there. Well, Angela, uh, the Lifetime Achievement Award was wonderful to receive because uh, UCLA has been a wonderful institution and it's really been my pleasure to serve it over the years. Um, Together with many of the others in the department, Keith Blackwell, Vishat Nabili, Jeff Ronsley, Don Law, um, we've, we've really worked hard uh, to advance technologies and everything in, in the field. Uh, one of the things that I was early into was endoscopic work. I think my original patents were the first patents in the field, and it was on a procedure. Uh, so developing that was really fun, and it took me all over the world to talk about it. We did over 91 presentations in one year, and I'm not sure when I had a chance to practice, but it was a lot of fun with Carl Stortz and LaserScope and companies like that. And it got us going into the technological area. Um, And we worked for a long time with lasers, radio frequency devices. Uh, The new ones are micro-needling devices with radio frequency that really really mean a advance and different types of radio frequency devices that go under the skin to actually tighten the skin without ever having uh, to lay a knife to the skin. Uh, this is pretty amazing because we haven't been able to achieve that before and working with all the different energy devices has been fun. But my current fashion, my current passion really is biologicals. Um, you know, our own bodies make things that I think are our future. We've worked in stem cells now for 22 years, and I think that these advances are finally taking fruit. Probably the most common thing that we're experiencing, uh, you know, in addition to the surgical things, are enhancing surgery with the biologicals and these devices. For instance, in a facelift, we might use PRP for healing. We might use face tighter, one of the other devices 
to tighten the skin and actually give a better result to the facelift surgery. But there's no question that stem cells are coming. Uh, right now, they're primarily used in wound healing and burns and other areas such as that. Uh, but I think that we'll see more advances in that area in addition to the PRP. One of my passions has been my involvement in the company Medical Cell, MediCell International, and they make a cosmeceutical called Definage, which really involves our LGR6 stem cell. The defensins in there, defensins are things that defend the body against infection, trauma. If we cut ourselves, the defensins are secreted and cause the LGR6 stem cell to make new basal cells, which then propagate to make new skin. Turning that into a cosmeceutical uh, is, was a, a major advance. Uh, Nikolai Turkovitz, uh, I've had the good fortune to work with. Uh, and all of these scientists that we've worked with throughout the years have really helped us. My favorite story is one where a fellow came into my office with a seborrheic keratosis and asked if I could remove it, and I said, yes, we'll use a laser. And at the time, UCSB had eight Nobels in physics, and it had a bunch of, uh, we had the free electron laser out here in Santa Barbara, and there were a variety of things uh, that were really happening to support Vandenberg Air Force Base, such as Raytheon, so I asked if he was an engineer. He said, well, my master's was in engineering, but my PhD's in physics. And I said, well, how do you know so much about lasers? And he said, well, I invented the laser. And he did. It was Ted Maiman, and he was a friend for the rest of my life and introduced me to the community. And if you're a laser geek, that's sort of like a computer geek meeting Steve Jobs, I suppose. Uh, so it's been a, a fascinating career, uh, culminating in the UCLA experience that you mentioned. You know, and that that's it's so fascinating, and that you know how kind of all of that has just come to place. You know, you know, like you said, starting with being in practice as a surgeon, doing the endoscopic facelifting, and what that led to, and then all of these amazing scientists that you have met over the years. Um, how did you, you know, and then trying to run a practice all at the same time, I'm sure is is no easy feat. Um, how did you come to actually found the UCLA division of, of facial plastic surgery? How did that come about? Well, actually, uh, we were in a situation where UCLA head and neck surgery deals primarily with cancer. Uh, one of our fellows, for instance, did the first uh, full face transplant, uh, and it, it's a very serious place. So uh, Paul Ward, who was the founding me member, neither liked fellowships nor did he like uh, facial plastic surgeries. So the division really needed uh, the department really needed uh, something to fill out their residency, and I was elected. Uh, and it was purely happenstance. At the time, Keith Blackwell was there, and I decided to do a fellowship based on both reconstructive and aesthetic surgery. Uh, so it was just being in the right place at the right time in a period when advancements in knowledge were happening all around us. Cell work was starting. Laser work was going. Um, endoscopic things were happening, uh, and it was just an exciting time that happened to be there. And and what, you know, please, I'd love to hear now your experience, you know, teaching, 
you know, at, at such an incredible institution and, and being a part of that, how many doctors would you say have passed through the division since, you know, you, you began? Well, there are countless residents, but my responsibility was primary the, primarily the fellows, and I believe we've had 24 fellows now. And a lot of them, it's the thing I'm most proud of, actually, is these guys are all incredibly capable human beings, and many have divisions of their own now of facial plastic surgery that they're chiefs of and are publishing and doing great work and teaching others. So it's been a thrill. It really has. And then, and then, you know, the culmination, of course, was the 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 dinner, the celebration dinner at the Beverly, the Beverly Hilton Hotel, I think it was, and you were given this award, which is such a prestigious award. How did you feel being presented with that? Well, I was totally surprised. I didn't, I didn't know much what to say, and it was a little embarrassing. Uh, my wife knew, uh, but but I. Oh, okay, that, of course uh, you did. <laughs> It was a residency graduation dinner that it happened at. Uh, so, so it was it was really a thrill. Uh, you know, I'd been there for years, and you know, it, it was really a thrill. Let me put it that way. Okay, that's great. You know, and I'd love to you know maybe you know go a little bit more in depth into you know the early pioneering work that you did with the endoscopic facelift and the laser skin resurfacing treatments. You know, and then what are leading into today's RF treatments, you know. Can you give us a, a few minutes just on on kind of how all of that came about, you know, what did the work entail, and, you know, these 91 lectures that you gave in one year, where were they, who were they to? Um, I'd love to hear more. Well, basically, uh, everything that I did was just a natural extension. We had one of the first surgery centers, and I had all these instruments, and, People were doing endoscopic gallbladders and bronchoscopies and sinus surgery. It seemed a logical extension uh, to cut the corrugator and procerus muscles uh, for the endoscopic brow lift and uh, to go ahead and work on the platysma uh, with an endoscope through little incisions. Fortunately, I had had the surgery center uh, that had orthopedics and ENT and everything else there, so I was able um, to use the instrumentation uh, that, that was around. I owned it, and I, I could do pretty much whatever I wanted with it. Uh, so that was that was just a, uh, a lucky happenstance. Uh, I think that that almost almost anybody with those type of facilities could have and would have done it, but I just happened to be in a place where I could. Uh, the other stuff um, was just me being involved uh, in lasers early on in residency. Um, you know, in the 1970s, we had one of the first CO2 lasers uh, made by AO, American Optical, and it was, it was a lot the size of a telephone booth, basically. Um, so we started this laser institute to do photodynamic therapy and other things, and it was fun to raise the money. We did some really cheap laser tricks. Uh, like light a cigarette with an argon laser from across the room uh, and things like that to impress people. Um, Even though you don't smoke. You know, <laughs> I, I didn't smoke. Um, you know, I, was, I, I was doing the lighting, fortunately. I, I'd be a little afraid to be on the other end, but it worked out really well. And, and we raised money to start a nonprofit, which, uh, which serviced all of the hospitals in the Santa Barbara area. Um, 
with laser work for years and years, um, and obviously that became more commercial. But we actually uh, built our own treatment lasers. The FDA was a little different in the time, and certain lasers such as the argon and yellow dye and several others were grandfathered in so you could work with them in medicine because they'd been used in medicine for some time. And one of the things that was particularly enjoyable was working with kids with port wine stains because at the time there were, there were no treatments for port wine stains. Um, and they were numerous at the time. Now it's only the new ones that are being born. Uh, but those kids presented a very interesting psychological uh, situation. They, they really did. They held on to their stains tenaciously for a while because it was part of them that then once they started to get rid of them, they saw things and wanted to get it done as soon as possible. And of course, it took many treatments uh, to do that. Uh, but that was probably one of the most gratifying things that I did and, and still is. We still do that, in fact, with uh, some newer machines. But it, it, yeah. it was just fun being in the middle of all this technology. You know, and I, I do think it's interesting. I do. I mean, I recall from many years ago that there was a, I think there was an article in a magazine, and it was about your development of the endoscopic facelift and, and everything that went into it. And then I think the the reporter who actually did the writing, she herself won a an award from the American Society of Plastic Surgeons for writing that article. And so it, it's just, I'm always fascinated with how one thing leads to another, you know, and 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 I, I do recall in that time, you know, that you were able to, you know, there was a lot of um, consumer education taking place as well as the work that was going on within the industry. And, and I would say that's probably true of today as well, where, you know, you're still quite a pioneer in consumer education as well as physician education. Well, yes, I think the biologicals are interesting. I think that's the new frontier. Uh, of course, there are new technologies for facelifting, face type, and other things coming out. Um, Thermi has some good things, InstaLifts. Uh, there are a lot of very good things out there, but doing things with our own bodies uh, is possible. Stimulating stem cells uh, rather than putting stem cells in veins and arteries and all of that. Uh, genetic uh, type of activities. I think we need to be forward-looking and think about these things uh, rather than getting into the same old rut. And most of what we do in developing the, these things isn't all of a sudden an inspiration, but it's just a natural extension of what we're doing anyhow. How do we tighten the skin more? How do we improve the looks of skin? Um, you have to ask the questions to get the answers. Yeah, and I think, you know, you were mentioning some of the, the, the things that you have been involved with, whether it's, you know, the Thermi devices or the, the face type and, you know, some of the other things. And then more recently, I, uh, not more recently, but as well as your work in stem cells and, and leading to, um, you know, other applications. Now, um, you had mentioned earlier in our conversation as well your work with age repair defensins which, um, I, I, from my understanding, there was a study recently presented of which you were an investigator, a clinical investigator in that study. You know, do you have a moment just to talk with us a little bit more about the results of that study and, and where you now see the age repair defensins, you know, leading us into the future of skincare? Well, you know, that's been an inspiration, being involved in a couple companies 
and, and bringing things to sort of fruition uh, or helping to, obviously. Uh, defensins are, are just that. They, they defend the body against different types of infections, and defenage or cosmeceutical uh, actually stimulates the same stem cells that defend the body, so it's a very natural process uh, rather than using the usual growth factors uh, that are done for other devices. Uh, the defensins are, are very small peptides that penetrate the skin down the hair shaft, um, so we get those fairly deeply and we're able uh, to stimulate those. The study uh, was done by Amy Taub out of Northwestern uh, our clinical professor at Northwestern, and uh, there were three sites, Vivian Bukai, Amy Taub, and myself, uh, and we used some sophisticated devices. Um, one, a 3D research device by Quantificare that actually could measure a wrinkle, measure the oiliness of the skin, measure the, the pore size, the uh, water loss in the skin, along with Cortex Technologies, which has a ultrasound. So we, we had, the, the patients all loved the product and rated it. It was done with a double-blinded study that didn't contain the defensins, um, and it showed massive improvement by using the defensins. Uh, and it was a good cosmeceutical without the defensins, so this was, was really a, a boost for the use of defensins. Uh, showed unequivocally better pore size, diminishment of wrinkles, um, protection of transepidermal water loss, uh, uh, and much better skin. More importantly, the patients rated it uh, similarly to what the uh, objective evidence showed. Uh, the product was really much better than the for those people who had it versus the people had it with the defensins versus that group that did not have it, um, who rated their own skin and the, the, the use of it. So Defenage is, is definitely on the upswing, and, um, and it's selling very well. The, the dermatology community has really gotten behind it and really loves it. Um, so it's gratifying to see something like that come into fruition, that everybody in the company, uh, Nikolai Turkovitz uh, and his sales staff and every have really worked at. So I'm really proud of them and proud of the, the ability to do this type of thing. And I, I'm hoping that it, it sets off uh, more than just the, our success with Definage, but sets off um, a, a searching to find things that stimulate stem cells uh, rather than putting stem cells into the skin in general. No, I think that's a great idea. Um, I mean, and, and hopefully, like you said, you know, we will be able to see this in other applications, um, you know, whether it's, you know, wound healing or, you know, just, you know, continuation of improved skin care. Um, tell me a little bit about your, your practice and, and your patient base. I mean, what now, and again, because you have been so on the cutting edge and everything to do with aesthetics, um, what are the, you know, and, and you, you do have, um, you know, your practice in Santa Barbara, um, Beverly Hills and in LA and at UCLA, and so you are somewhat of a destination practice for some people as well as a local practice for others. Um, what would you say are the top procedures that you choose to perform the, these days, and what are the what are the things that patients seek you out for? Well, I think I'm primarily known in uh, 
surgery of the aging face, uh, hair transplantation, I do rhinoplasties. Uh, but without a doubt, aging face would be uh, what I do most and best. The interesting thing about that is we've always uh, pushed and actually written an editorial uh, in, in 19, I'm sorry, in 2007 about minimally and non-invasive therapies do interface practice phase-out. This was in JAMA facial plastic surgery. Uh, and there was an article against that saying minimal uh, treatments, minimal results. Uh, and I think we won that battle because uh, if you <laughs> look, so. not, non-invasive treatments have gone up over 5,000 percent in that period of time, and surgery stayed pretty much the same. Um, so while I do a lot of surgery, uh, I think we have one of the greatest number of facelifts going in at least our subspecialty uh, per year, uh, and, and rhinoplasty. We do mainly revision rhinoplasty. Um, you know, it's, it's still been gratifying to be a part of the rise of the non-invasive, minimally invasive. And actually, we were carried in, in vogue uh, in the 80s as having one of the first medispas. And these were considered a real foreign idea at the time uh, and, and weren't very profitable. But, but nowadays, you find that non-invasive work uh, is really almost surpassing the invasive work, even for those of us who are very busy surgically. Because if you see a surgery patient um, and, and you do a surgery, you still have to take care of their skin. There's, there's still little things that you do. Maybe there's some redness that you can treat with one of the brand-new um, IPL type of machines, or maybe they have wrinkles uh, around the mouth, and you, you now have an answer that doesn't depigment, depigment the skin so that people have to wear makeups in the form of micro-needling with RF. That can actually get rid of the wrinkles around the mouth and eye um, without depigmenting that you get with a PL or very aggressive laser treatment. Um, so your obligation is really when somebody walks in to take care of them as a patient, um, not as a procedure. Uh, so if someone comes in, we try and individualize treatments with what we call integrative facial plastic surgery that integrates both the invasive and non-invasive treatments to get the best result for them possible. You know, and I find that all, all so fascinating, especially the statistics that you say, you know, I mean, that's just such a huge number of, you know, people who are opting for the, the non-invasive versus the surgical procedures um, or the non-surgical. Um, would you say that, that that increase in procedures has is, is a direct correlation of, you know, that there's a younger patient base interested in, in kind of retaining what they have, retaining their youth and, you know, looking to improve upon what they have, as well as, you know, the, the, the non-surgical opportunities are, are maybe more affordable um, at a younger level. What, what would you say is, is the catalyst for this, this huge growth towards non-invasive treatments? Well, the younger patients we call prejuvenation, um, and... Uh, there certainly are a number of those that are trying to prevent aging from happening. The engineers are also getting better and making better fillers and um, better tightening devices. And so usually it goes a little bit by age group, uh, although not entirely. Some people 
uh, hold really well. But let, let's take a, a woman. Uh, a woman in her 30s is starting to use uh, cosmeceuticals, maybe some Botox, maybe even into the 20s, the Botox, um, and and get into that. As they get into the 40s, uh, they can really, we used to do facelifts at 42, 44, 45. Um, nowadays, there are some non-invasive options that are quite good, and most people are using those. Um uh, as, as we get into the 50s and 60s in the postmenopausal period of time, um, I think that people are at least combining surgery with the non-invasive work, if not uh, doing some surgical types of things. So the integration of all these things is, is really important, uh, I think. Now, after a facelift, can you maintain that result? Um, yes, you can. Um, and, and there are ways to do maintenance. Uh, there are ways to do maintenance uh, type of work uh, with non-invasive type of, of materials. So it's a different sequence of things that are getting better and better non-invasively, but it still hasn't replaced surgery. Um, and but it does put surgery off, and it does maintain the surgery um, that we have. So it's all good when you look at it in that manner, um, but the engineers are getting better. They really are. Yeah, yeah. And then this is my last question to you, um, is, and, and I know that we have discussed stem cells and age repair defenses and others, but is there anything else on the horizon that we're going to be seeing in the next year or two in the future of aesthetics um, with anything new that perhaps we haven't discussed, um, or are these other techniques that we have talked about still many of them in a, you know, wait-and-see mode? Well, I think the, the technologies are always going to improve. Um, it, as I say, I think the future is biological. Uh, things our own body makes, uh, whether that's stem cell rejuvenation. Undoubtedly, there's some genetic sequency things that are going on. But I, I think we're really going to see some drugs come out uh, and I know that there are literally billions of dollars put in uh, by billionaires to try and find a cure for aging. And, of course, mm -hmm. that's where everything's going, trying to find a cure for aging. Uh, it's mm -hmm. what it's all about. And I hope hope that's the future, and I hope it happens in my lifetime. And in mine, too. <laughs> well, Dr. Carl, thank you so much for being on Aesthetic Insider Radio. It's been so insightful to to have this time with you. Um, for those listeners, um, how, you know, anybody who wanted to reach you, what would be the best way for them to to touch base with you? Well, if they look at our website, they, it'll have a phone number and uh, emails and, and such, and love to hear from you. Thank okay. you for having me. Absolutely. And that website is uh, gregorykeller.com, is that correct? www.gregorykeller.com. That's great, great. Well, Dr. Yeah. Keller, again, thank you. Thank you so much for being on the show. I'd love to have you back on as a guest again sometime in the future. And um, thank you so much. Well, thank you for having me, Angela. Absolutely. Bye-bye. Bye. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. Judy. <laughs> 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. 